Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great day out there. It was a good day for our markets today as well. Now making five out of the last six days that we have finished positive for our major indexes. And I believe that's either four out of six or five out of six of the last days now that the S&P has had better than 1% gains. We got back above the 200-day moving average on the S&P today, our only major index to reclaim that level there. We're getting pretty close on our other major indexes. Uh, But if you've been tuning in with us here, you know that we have been cautious in the short term on this market, seeing whether or not this is a bull trap before we get aggressively long this market here, starting to see some breakouts from the downtrend, exactly what you want to see. Uh, But again, looking for that confirmation before we get aggressively long here. Right now, we're at six out of our 12 VRA investing screens positive and seeing indexes like the S&P and some of our other major sectors as well, getting it back above their 200-day moving average is helping that cause here as well. I'll point out a little bit of that and once I get to our major indexes here, but uh, we're seeing a bit of a pattern change today, really, as over the last 10 weeks or so, higher opens have not fared well for our major indexes. If we start the day off strong, we're finishing weak. That is classic bear market action there, and that was not the case today. Today, we got a strong finish, finishing close to the highs of the day today. Uh, we're Like I said, we're also seeing many of our major sectors and indexes getting back above their 200-day moving average. And lastly here, something that we talked to our members about this morning, and this reason why we remain so bullish on this market may surprise many of you here, not, not our regular listeners probably, but if you're new to the podcast, uh, but it's a big reason why we remain so long-term bullish on this market and it is actually inflation kip asked me to talk a little bit more about this today uh because we've all seen it we you know hear it from friends and family as well and it's more obvious than ever as we see gas prices food prices housing prices on the rise so why would that be a major bullish factor for our markets and while we obviously hate to see the constant devaluation of the U.S. dollar since 1913 and the creation of the Federal Reserve. The U.S. dollar has lost some 98% of its purchasing power. But we also have to realize inflation is a lot like a freight train coming through. Uh, And when that's happening, you don't want to be on the track. So while we won't be able to stop it as individuals, as a society, hopefully we can do something about it. It's our job here to help you protect as much of your wealth as possible and to make as much money while inflation is running hot as possible. And so what we've seen when you look back historically on big inflationary times like this, you have to own hard assets. Cash is truly trash. You want to own precious metals. You want to own Again, hard assets, real estate, but then also in that category, of course, is the stock market. When dollars are inflating, the stock market is as well. So it can be 
a great hedge. It's one major reason why our long-term outlooks for the market are so high. And it's been a major theme for us here for some time and really is just now playing out. We began writing about this story early, early last year, right after Biden was inaugurated, after the rigged election. And inflation at the time was still below 3% and the Fed was saying it was transitory. I mean, that feels like forever ago, right? But as we've seen, we really, again, going back even further, we talked about this as we were seeing massive levels of money printing coming out of coronavirus, insane spending policies, including the spending policies under Trump. He's not blameless in this either, uh, just looking at it objectively, right? But then the Biden administration came in, did even more spending, massive, massive plans. And then, of course, a huge one there has been regulations on industry as well. Uh, those have been a major cause for inflation. So it wasn't exactly hard to read the tea leaves that inflation was coming. If you're just listening to the Federal Reserve, you might have been caught blindsided by this one. But if you've been tuning in here, you've been prepared for this. And Kip and I have been talking about this for a long time as well. And we were talking about it again this morning. I grew up hearing the stories of what happened in the Weimar Republic. Uh, you know, talking to, to Kip about that a lot, how somebody would go in with a shopping cart full of uh, German marks leave their shopping cart outside, go in to buy some bread and come out and somebody had stolen the shopping cart and left all of the cash there, right? A single gold coin could have bought an entire block of prime German real estate at the time. So you hear these stories and think about how terrible hyperinflation can be. And a little over a year ago, right about the time that we started talking about this as well, Michael Berry, who you may remember from the movie The Big Short, one of the few people uh, who was really early on in predicting the 2008 financial crisis and profited greatly off of it, had a great Twitter thread about how he saw the U.S. heading toward hyperinflation on par with that of the Weimar Republic in 1923. But what we took from that mostly is that it didn't happen overnight. In the eight years leading up to the blowout, there was a lot of money to be made in their markets, in their real estate, and really the problem began building in 1914, just shortly after the beginning of World War I. The German government at the time, the Reich government, abolished the, the Reichsbank's legal obligation to redeem gold notes. And they also began printing massive amounts of fiat money into the system. Sounds a lot like what we've had here since coming off of the gold standard. We've just made it work for a lot longer. But it eventually came to the head, came to a head eight years later, 1922-1923. And you heard my story earlier about the shopping cart, but all the marks in existence in the summer of, of 1922 were not enough by November of 1923 to buy a single newspaper or tram ticket. So think about that. It didn't really from 1914 to 1922, yes, 
prices went up tremendously. But at the same time, real estate prices soared. Their stock market soared. Businesses were making more money than ever before. And yes, it was paper money, of course. Uh, and it was not redeemable earlier, much like bubbles that exist in the stock market ever. It's a game of musical chairs. So you have to get out early enough. But before the system imploded, people felt like they were getting rich. Uh, one, one other point here that I thought was really interesting from Michael Berry's was that speculation on investments became hugely popular as well. And he pointed out it added nothing to Germany's economy, actually didn't add anything to Germany's wealth. It was not more productive, but it became one of the largest activities, just speculation on investments. Uh, and it affected everybody. You know, you hear that the old saying now that whenever your taxi driver, and now that would be your Uber driver, is giving you stock recommendations, that's when you want to get out of the market. We've heard that a lot over the last few years as well. Uh, so of course, as time went on, cost of goods outpaced growth in wages, even though they were aided by government intervention as well. But if you were able to get in to the German market then in early inflation and be buying things like stocks and real estate, people were making a lot of money at the time. And then as time went on, after World War One ended, the German government was so upended by the reparations that they had to pay for World War One that they eventually were unable to pay. That's what tipped the iceberg there was in 1923, in November of 1923, they def basically defaulted on their debt and the exchange rate for one US dollar was 4.2 trillion German marks and the party was over. So really, as you can see from this example, it took eight years from 1914 to 1922, and then it got out of control and eventually completely ending by November 1923. So point of the story here being is what stage of the cycle are we in here? Are we closer to Germany in 1914 or Germany in 1923 before hyperinflation kicked in and the party ended? Our view here has been and remains that we are early on in this cycle. What if real estate, stocks, cryptos, and wages and corporate profits continue to surge for years to come, outpacing consumer inflation? If you pay attention to the mainstream media, that's not the, the consensus view right now. And as contrarians, we love to take the other side of that. So in our view, now is still the time to be purchasing these hard assets to protect yourself against inflation. Uh, this party is not over yet. And that's the environment that we see that we're in. And that is a big reason why we remain so medium to long-term bullish on this market and why we say the Dow Jones is going to 100,000 and the NASDAQ to 40,000. And you know, if we do see a hyperinflation type of environment, which I, I'll say doubtful on that, I think it's gonna be very inflationary. And it eventually will come under control. We're not going to see an implosion unless World War III does break out and something like that that's out of our control happens. Uh, but so that's a big reason why our targets could be too low if inflation does get completely out of hand. Eventually, the game of musical chairs will come to an end. But for right now, we see that as a ways off. 
And regardless of the short-term action, we remain extremely bullish here over the medium to long-term. So a little walk down memory lane there for a little history lesson to start off the podcast today. Uh, but it's important to look back on history in times like this when, you know, this seems totally unprecedented. Uh, it's not entirely unprecedented here. We don't think they're going the way of the Weimar Republic, but we are in a heavily inflationary cycle right now. So on that note, let's take a look at our market action on the day today. We were led by the NASDAQ of 1.95% on the day today, finishing you know just off of the highs of the day uh, to 14,108. Next up was the S&P 500 of 1.13% to 4,511. As I mentioned earlier, we were able to close above the 200-day moving average today. That is the first time that we've done that since mid-February. So good to see. We want to see it hold above that so it's not a failed breakout. We've also broken this downtrend from uh, our peak, the all-time high at 4,818 in early January. We've broken above that downtrend line, but still we want to see a little follow-through above the 200-day moving average here before we get aggressively long. Next up was the Russell 2000 up 1.08% to 2,088. And lastly, the Dow Jones up 0.74% to 34,807. Excuse me. Let's take a look now at our internals on the day-to-day. Solid numbers here, you know, you know, really strong actually for what we've seen lately, which is good confirmation. We finished just under two to one positive for advancing, uh, advanced to decline stocks, advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, just under two to one for the NYSE and almost a little over two and a half to one, I'll say for the NASDAQ. Next up, new 52 week highs to lows. We got another day of positive numbers here from the NYSE and it seems like it's been a while since we've seen positive numbers here. We've gotten a few sessions of that lately. Not hugely positive, but they good to see a positive number overall. Did still get a negative number from the NASDAQ. And lastly here, volume coming in just over two to one positive, two and a half to one positive for the NYSE and over four to one positive for the NASDAQ today. Strong numbers there from the NASDAQ. Next up, our sectors on the day today, we finished with 10 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. Consumer discretionary actually leading the way and has been uh, slightly here for some time, still below its 200-day moving average, but leading the way today. Next up was communication services, financials, and technology. Our one laggard on the day was energy. Oil prices down slightly, still very elevated here, which I'll get to here in a second. Uh, finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch Gold, now down just over four-tenths of 1% 1 to 1921 Silver down as well by a bigger 1.65% to $24.89 an ounce. Copper, my system looks to be, I mean, that's correct, roughly flat on the day at $4.71 a pound. And oil as I mentioned earlier, down just over 1%, still high at $108 a barrel. Uh, and we saw today, uh, Rich Ross, or this may have been yesterday, the leading technical analyst over Evercore, you know, just phenomenal work coming out of there. 
putting a price target on oil of $150 a barrel here. Our call from last year was that we would get to over $100 a barrel uh, by 2022. We hit that target easily here. Uh, so given the current environment, $150 a barrel is not out of the realm of possibility. Seeing some estimates as high as $200 a barrel. Still have a, a little bit of work to do on our end to put out our next price target there. But we do continue to remain extremely bullish on the energy sector as a whole. And finally for today, Bitcoin now up 3.62% to $42,640 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA Investing Podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.